I think majority of you know me, those who don't, uh, I'm Pradeep Maniktala, I'm one of the elders in the church. Um, today I have been asked to speak. I approached Andrew about a year and a half ago. I was suffering from some poor health and thinking I might die soon. So I thought I'll say to Andrew, you know, I want to get some preaching in so that my children can listen to me once I'm dead. And uh, because, you know, to get children to listen to you while you're alive is actually quite difficult, okay? Because they get busy, they want to do their own thing. And right at the beginning, at the first couple of preachers, the children turned up in force, okay? Now that they know dad is likely to speak to us and we can record it, they generally say, we listen to you online, dad, you're all right. And I think the danger of imminent death has also passed away, so they don't see the drama being so much of a problem. Um, so they are listening to this, and I'd like you to just be participating in. I don't want you to be excluded. Um, I'm likely to speak as if I'm giving my children instruction, um, because that is my primary focus. So if you are offended by my instructive way of talking, forgive me because it's not meant for you. But if it cuts your heart in what I'm saying, take it on board. Okay. You know, I am really blessed today that we have Peter because this boy is so capable of immediate reaction that even when you don't tell him what passage you're going to speak on, he can find it just like that. And the passage I'd like to speak on today, let's give you a heading, all right? Let, let's get you to guess it, okay? And the, and the title I'd like to give it today is, He Sat Down and Opened His Mouth, okay? So I'd like to give it a title, it's He Sat Down and Opened His Mouth. And you guys are already ahead of the game, and it's Matthew 5. So Peter, if you can get it in the King's James Version, I'd be very grateful. If you can't, the, the NIV will do. Um, I don't know how much time I have. Um, five minutes before I'm due to speak, extend it by 10 minutes and then give me a warning. What I would like to do is I'd like to share with some of you, some of you don't really know what my journey has been, so I'm going to be very quick about it, okay? Um, so stay with me, I'm going to speak very fast. So um, I was born in India, brought up as a Hindu, quite a um, devoted Hindu. At the age of 14, said to my mother, has anybody seen God? She said no. I was arrogant and clever enough to say to her, give me 10 years, I'm going to have your God in a test tube. And after three months, she said, how is it going, son? And I thought, she's serious about it. So I then spent the next few years, till, till before marriage, studying a lot of Hindu scripture, doing the Vedantas, the Vedas, the Bhagavad Gita, the whole, did some Sufism, this Islam, did, became a Buddhist teacher, did all the other stupid things that young people do. But I did devote considerable amount of my time to scripture reading and interfaith comparison. 
met a beautiful, round-faced, gorgeous-eyes medical student, nominal Christian, fell in love. Parents thoroughly objected to the point of disowning us both. We struggled with it, and eventually we decided we are going to elope. We are going to get married, present ourselves to the parents, and say, tough cookie, what are you going to do? <laughs> and that was the plan. Um, it is sometimes actually quite radical when God intervenes, okay? Sometimes he does it subtly. Sometimes he says, you know what, I'm going to just derail you. About three, four weeks prior to our eloping date, Kavita met with a really fantastic car crash. Head on, it took the fire brigade two hours to cut her out from the car. She should have died, she didn't, thank you Lord. The parents discovered this eloping thing. They had been to Louis Palau mission. They had become born again. Kavita entered a house of born again, not nominal Christians. She was bedridden for three months, came out a born again girlfriend, soon to be an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Confronted me and said, I cannot marry you. You are not a Christian. I thought this was a stupid and bad deal. I was very anti-Christ that he would cause such a drama in my life. Okay, I am being very frank with you. So I thought that my good-looking, medically qualified, sensible girlfriend had been brainwashed and it was my duty to find out what this church malarkey was all about. So I decided to engage with the pastor with some aggression he was very manipulative and he let me talk. I love talking. I downloaded all the scriptures I could. And he said, yeah, we agree with all of them because it's pretty Old Testament. You see, I love talking to John and Jenny. I love it because they challenge me. But a lot of the Old Testament is not unique. A Hindu God doesn't get up and say, I am not the creator. Do you follow me? This confession, this thing that I am the creator by Yahweh is not unique to Yahweh. I'm not here to insult Yahweh, please. Hear me well. But other faiths claim the same. Other faiths claim exactly, pretty much apart from the names, apart from a few stories, fundamentally the same thing, which is as follows. I am a creator God, do good, and good will result. Disobey, and you'll be punished. Okay? And fundamentally Moses is that. Moses, the laws, are fundamentally this. Obey and you are blessed. Disobey and you have a problem. So when I came across this, I was thinking, okay, well, I've done this before. I've done it better. You have one book. You know, not that thick. I've studied 37 of them. 
Okay, and I know, I know it well. But anyway, I became a Christian to the point where they thought he's sufficiently Christian to get married. <laughs> so I got married. I started going to church. I started the usual gifts of march and follow and etc. But the truth is, I fell out of love from church. I found not their fault only, you know, you can't clap with one hand. I fell out of love from that fellowship. Reason I was surrounded by slightly deficient intellectual, deficient economically, people who thought they were significantly superior. They hadn't really read as much as me, but they had the right to tell me. And I thought, this is a joke. And I fell out of love from church. And slowly, I was falling out of love with Christ. Okay? And that was my situation. And then, God intervened. I did not realize this, but he gave me a client, a dentist client. I was 30 at the time. Okay? He gave me a dentist client called Dr. Manocha. Dr. Manocha was 72. He was a Baha'i. Okay, so Baha'i is somebody who behaves, believes in Baha'u'llah. We're talking about 350 years after Muhammad. Okay, so the Baha'u'llah, the Baha'i book, is about 25% Old Testament, 25% New Testament, 20 to 20% the Quran, and the rest of the sayings of Baha'u'llah. That is one book I have not read completely. I've read 50, 60% of it, okay? Anyway, Dr. Manocha was brought up as a, in, a, in a Christian uh, boarding school. He met with me and we had the little sword fight of him trying to convert me to be a Baha'i and me trying to tell him, become a Christian. But my heart was not in that. Do you, do you know what I mean? When you're trying to convince somebody, but you're thinking, I'm not really sure. And he said, what's your problem? I said, this is my problem. I'm falling out of love with the fellowship I'm in walk with me, I know I'm talking about myself, but just walk with me for a while, a bit longer. And Mr. Dr. Manocha did a clever thing. I don't know whether he thought it was clever or not, but he did something really clever. You know, this is pre-Google, okay? There was a time, pre-Google, pre-mobile phone. Can you believe it? Okay, pre-texting. Yeah? We used to read the red. You know, Jesus' words are in red. We used to read the red. He said to me, Pradeep, I would like to read the red with you. And I'd like to read the red with you, Matthew 5, 6, 7. And he used to phone me, can you believe it, on Christmas Day, early in the morning, on this landline phone, and we had this agreement that he would read one passage, and I would read the other. And we would read Matthew 5, 6, 7 on the phone. He would call me into his dental surgery and say, bring your Bible with you. And, and I would think this is not ruddy non-chargeable time. I'm losing money. Okay? And he's not going to become a Christian because he so f his son was um, the, 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 the head of the UK Baha'i faith. So it was pretty difficult for him to change. But I would take my Bible and he would read it. And I would read it. And he would read it. And I would read. And this went on for, I don't know, we read Matthew 5, 6, 7, Maybe about eight times. 
Now here comes how I fell in love. Now I don't know whether you know, but elderly people have a very peculiar way of communicating. Okay? And I don't know whether you remember, you know, we used to have this dear, dear, dear uncle and friend, Ted. And what Ted used to do was he would, he would hold your hand and he would actually get very close to your personal space. Do you know what I mean? His, his way of speaking was he wouldn't give you that meter and a half. He would get really close to you. And he would then talk to you and convince you about the love of Christ. Yeah. And that's what elderly people do. Now, Barbara is a young elderly. Okay. <laughs> but every Sunday morning, Kavita and I have this conflict as to who's going to pick up Barbara. Okay. Because we both want to pick up Barbara. Because we know from the time we pick her up to the time we come to church, we fall in love with Christ all over again. Because the way she says is, I lost my phone. I did not know where it was. So I asked, I said, Lord, I don't know where it is. You know where it is. And he tells me, it's in the bathroom upstairs next to the shelf pot. And I go and I find it. And I'm thinking, wow, I wish I had that relationship. Anyway, Dr. Manocha, after reading Matthew 5, 6, 7, said the following. He said, Pradeep, he sat down and he opened his mouth. He must have been so tired and he wanted to make sure that he did not preach out of tiredness. So he sat down and he made sure he proclaimed and he had wetness in his eyes and I thought, you know what? If this man can love Christ so much, what the heck am I doing? Do you know that? It hit me that if somebody who's not a Christian can be affected by Matthew 5, 6, 7, not just by the message, but by the one who proclaimed it, then I am going to do my best to actually love the person, not just analyze the sermon. And that started my journey to say, I'm no longer only going to analyze the sermon intellectually. I'm going to make sure I fall in love with this person. And to be frank with you, it transformed me. Okay? It transformed me. Now that's my journey to these passages. What I would like to do now is to share Christ's journey when he gets to Matthew 5, 6, 7. Are you guys okay? Yes. Yeah? Is this boring or are you okay with me? Okay. So here we have, we have the word of God becoming flesh. The Magi come, tell the mother, he is going to be the savior of the world. Okay? Jesus knew that. Do you understand? He grew up knowing that. Okay? Mary didn't say, oh, by the way, this gold and spices, you know, we're just holding them. 
He knew there's a purpose here. He grew up knowing he is the savior. He is the sacrificial lamb. Okay. At the age of 12, he goes and he's missing for three days. Mom turns up and says, where were you? Now, how many 12-year-olds say, well, you should have known better. I was in my father's house. No, do you get it? He knew what is his purpose. He's dialoguing with them. He's listening to them. He's impressed. People are saying, never heard something like this before. But then mother extracts a promise. Look, I am not going to do this again. I will behave. And we then have 16 years of carpentry. Okay. We kind of think Christ died at 32. He had four years of ministry, which means he started at 28. He went to the temple and stayed there for three days at 12. So for 16 years, Christ is cutting wood. Okay. And thinking, I know who I am. I'm the savior. I'm the sacrificial lamb. John the Baptist announces it. See the Lamb of God. Okay. Next day, his disciples follow him. After that, 40 days of fasting, the spring of life who gives everlasting water goes without water for 40 days. Yeah? Comes out, and the devil says, look, all this kingdom, Cornelius was saying kingdom, these, these nations... I can give to you. Christ said, no, 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 no. I am obedient to my father. I don't seek your glory. I don't want this. So he is obedient. Okay? Then, he thinks, okay, now we're going to gather some crowd here. So we have a wedding, wine runs out, we make some wine, we have some following, we choose some disciples, we go and heal some people. And then comes people who are gathered and he takes them up the mount, doesn't he? Now, these guys are thinking, I can see what's happening here. Who else went up the mount and came down with ten commandments? Moses. So Jesus did this very plan. This wasn't a random act. Christ gets the timing right. He sits down and he opens his mouth. And guess what he says? Timing is everything. Ta-da! Peter, oh wow! Blessed are those. No, go back to the first one. Yeah. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. And he began to teach them and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And blessed are you. When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You see, he opens his mouth and the first word that comes out is blessed. And Christ did this beautifully. He did this beautifully. I, I don't know if I'm going to run out of time. Keith, you watch the time. And the first thing he says is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, what does blessed mean? Blessed actually means somebody who's abundantly happy. Okay, you know, it's, it's not, oh, blessing, da, 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 go. No, blessed is somebody who's really, really, really happy. Okay. But it's happy in spiritual prosperity, not just smile. But you know what? In life I find, if you are blessed, it's very difficult to have a sour face. You've got to work hard for it. Okay? You, honestly, if you are truly blessed, you somehow get a smile. Because you know, the creator of heaven and earth is saying, be happy. So you think, okay, I'll be happy. Okay, so I want to go through these quickly. Okay, I really want, I want you to wrestle with this, okay? I really want you to wrestle with this. I want you to go away and say, he spoke a lot and I wish he was brief. And, and you read these, okay, for me. Promise me that you read this, you wrestle with this. Because you know what? We were created as a people out of a wrestling match. You know that, Okay? Prior to that, he was the God of Abraham, God of Isaac. And Jacob said, I ain't going to let you go till you bless me. There was a night of wrestling. And he was limping afterwards. And he said, no, no, no. I will not let you go till you bless me. And that's when he said, I'll make you a people. So we are a people who wrestle with God. And that's why I love John and Jenny, because they give me topics that I have to wrestle with. Okay, and I say, God, they, they come up with this. I'm supposed to know this. Let me, okay. So if you are wrestling with God only on condition, I would encourage you, don't. You know, if you're wrestling with God to say, why did not my car start? Please, you know, just get a better starter. But if you are wrestling with God to say, why did you leave the tree? in the garden when you knew that the apple tree was not meant to be eaten guess what guys you are wrestling well because he will show you his purposes in that and he would love to show you his purposes on that so I make it a point to wrestle with him come on talk to me tell me what, what was on your mind so blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? What, what does poor mean? You ain't got enough, isn't it? Yeah. You're pretty deficient. You're pretty close to bankruptcy. You just haven't got enough to meet your needs. And that's what Christ is saying. 
when you cannot meet your own spiritual needs, you are very happy. It doesn't make sense, does it? But that's what Christ's criteria of abundant happiness is. Okay, this is pretty counterculture. This is the most counterculture there has ever been prior to his mouth opening. Because none of the other scriptures, and I've read a few, say this. That's why Christ is different. This is not the Mahabharata. We don't have that in Vedantas. We don't have it in the Old Testament. Because his first word is, you are blessed when you recognize you are poor in spirit. Next is, you are blessed when you mourn. No, no. It's when you mourn. Okay, I'm an Indian. I get my R's wrong. But many people read this as, you are blessed when you mourn. No, 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 guys. You are not blessed when you mourn or when you complain. You are blessed when you feel sad about your spiritual lack. Okay? That's what you are. You are blessed. You are happy. Next one. I prepared so well I don't have time. You are blessed when you are humble. Okay? So here we have poverty, sadness because you have poverty in spirit, and you have sufficient humility to recognize it. Okay? So you have three things. You recognize you're poor. You recognize that I, you know what? I'm really not happy about the fact that I'm spiritually poor. And then you're humble enough to say, Okay, help me. And guess what is the next one? He fills you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Recognizing that you're poor, recognizing that you're meek, recognizing that you're more, recognizing that you're humble. He says, now you're ready. And I'm going to fill you. Okay? I'm going to give you that spring of living waters. I'm going to make your deeds. Righteousness means what? To do the right thing. What is to do the right thing? What is the work of a Christian? Andrew mentioned it last week. To believe in the one who was sent. That's what we're supposed to do. Believe in the one who was sent. Nothing else. Okay? So this all leads to being filled. What comes next is fantastic. Because now you're no longer empty. Now you are no longer poor. Now you are no longer in need. Now you are resourced. Now you are wealthy. Not rokara, not money. But you are wealthy in capacity to do the right thing. Sorry, I wish Sandeep Sanji were here. I could focus on them and sadhana. Because you think I'm picking on you guys, isn't it? Understand? Now you're filled. You are no longer empty. And therefore you have capacity to show what? Mercy. Okay? So blessed are you. You have capacity to show mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is undeserved kindness. Okay? When you are kind, when you're compassionate, when somebody deserves it, that ain't mercy. That's just good behavior. 
Mercy is when you do not deserve forgiveness and you are given forgiveness. And you are now capable of doing that because Christ has filled you. That's what he says. But if you're doing mercy out of an impure heart, you have a problem. So next one comes. This is beautiful, okay? This, this sermon changed humanity. Do you know that? This sermon changed humanity. Mahatma Gandhi, okay, basically said, I would have been a Christian if it wasn't for the Christians. Why? Because he used to often, on his daily prayer meeting, quote Matthew 5, 6, 7. There are churches that do nothing else apart from 5, 6, 7. There are leaders who do nothing else. They base their society on 5, 6, 7. And there are people who think 5, 6, 7 is the worst thing you can do. Because you know what? It moves you away from capitalist, self-centered progression. Okay? This is a challenge to the gospel that says, if I'm prosperous, I'm blessed. Okay? This is a complete challenge to that. Okay? So where do we get to? Blessed are the poor, sorry, pure in heart. So your motives need to be pure to deliver mercy. Okay. Now comes, blessed are the peacemakers, <coughs> for they will be called sons of God. Okay. So we know who was the best and the biggest and the only one who could make peace for us with God, Christ, yeah? When you are sharing the gospel and you are as articulate as Adrian, that's what you're doing. You follow me? Even if you're not as articulate as Adrian, that's what you're doing. You are becoming children of God because you're saying... I want you to have peace with your creator. Now, so far, <coughs> it's been a reasonably entertaining ride by me moving here and there. But I want to bring you a challenge now. So I want to bring you something that could offend you. I hope you don't get offended. But how are you doing in being a peacemaker? Where are you in, in making peace? Because church does not have, people do. Cornelius gave us examples of how leaders stood up for slavery. But generally, the church does not have a great history of being a great peacemaker. Okay. Do you know why Gandhi actually did turn away from Christianity? Because he was rejected at the door in a church to say, no, 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 you can't come in, this is for whites only and high caste Hindus. That's what happened. Okay? Now this happened, what, in 1952? After that we have the Jamaicans come to UK. They segregated themselves. Why? Because we have the same thing. This is a white-only church. Okay? Now I'm not, I'm not saying this because, you know, I belong to you. What I'm trying to do is to raise up the bar slightly to say, Look, the responsibility 
to actually be a peacemaker is upon us, each one of us, and for us collectively. Okay? So I'm going to speak to the youth as I will speak to the children, my children. Where are you in crossing the bridge? Okay. Where, where are you? What is your desire to be a peacemaker with a Hindu, a Sikh, a Muslim, a Baha'i, a Buddhist? If you are not studying any of that, then I'm not sure that you're equipping yourself to be a peacemaker. You know, one of the things that really, really got my goat is one year after marriage, we went to Israel. Okay. And there were about 120, 130 of us. And we went to Jerusalem. And we went to the mosque, the dome mosque. And all of them said they're not going in. Because they felt that they were going to get some spiritual contamination if they went into the mosque. Okay? I was the only one who went in. And these guys, nice spiritual guys, they were underneath a tree praying for me that I will not get contaminated. And guess what? So were nearly 20 other Christian congregations. So when I spoke to the mosque people, I've got five minutes. When I spoke to the mosque people, you know what they said? They said they never come in. Now this was 31 years ago. This is before, before jihad. Do you understand? This is when, we, when they were throwing stones, but there was no suicide bomber yet. But they never went in. They never said, you know what? We have something to share with you. Let us be peacemakers. And it really got me to say, what are you doing? Here is Christ saying something different. And you are behaving in a manner which is exclusion. Okay. Be careful. Generally when power, sorry I'm being slightly controversial. Generally when power preaches religion, you have to have a better filter. Okay. At the moment, who's the most powerful nation? America. What is coming out generally out of America? Prosperity gospel. If you look good, you feel good, you have richness, you have this, God has blessed you. If you're poor, you're suffering, you are sick, you, you have problems, depression, alcoholism, whatever. God has removed his hand from you. Well, that's not what this says. <laughs> okay. So when power preaches religion, have a better filter. That's what you're supposed to do. So are we saying in 30 years time when China becomes the super economic power, what comes out of China is gospel? No, no, no. Christ's gospel applies. Not Mao's gospel to me. So be wise children. Have that filter. Be inspired. Okay? This is a challenge. If all you are doing is saying, let me have a family, pay the mortgage and two holidays, come to church and do this. I love you. I'd much rather you did this than not. Okay. 
please hear me, I'm not trying to upset you. I'd much rather you did this than not attend. But if that's all you do, take a good look at yourself and evaluate yourself with this that changes the value of humanity. Okay? And you know what? You've got one life only. After that, you enjoy him forever. Okay? <coughs> so make it count. Make it sacrificial. Okay? Make it so that you can, in grace, have a discussion with somebody. It's not going to contaminate you because what is in you is greater than what is in the world. Okay? <coughs> now what happens after all this? You're going to get persecuted. That's the deal. Do you understand? The deal is not. You're going to get richness. A, 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 a Rolls Royce. You, that's not the deal. He's come to give you life abundantly. But he has taken 16 years. <clears throat> to prepare this one message. Blessed are you. Okay? Abundantly happy are you. Now, what you'll notice, if you just look at the Bible, is the first blessed, the first beatitude. Okay? It is called the beatitude because it's meant to be beatitude, not consider attitude, not contemplate attitude, not muck with it attitude, not struggle with it attitude. It's called be attitude, okay? It's pretty clear. Yeah, you don't have to think about this. It's be attitude, okay? Be blessed, yeah? There's no option here, okay? Many people say, well, my culture is this. Listen, my culture is Punjabi, okay? It's stupid. Yeah, I'm just aggressive by nature. I'm just superior by nature. I'm arrogant by nature. Some darling, darling lady gave me five, no, seven ways of being loving or something. Remember, there was a book going around, seven ways of discovering how you, seven languages of love. Okay, and I said, no, no, I do not want this book, seven languages of love, I don't want it. And she said, no, no, but you will learn to how to appreciate Kavita better. I said, listen, I'm trying to get the Punjabi way out of me. I don't want another way in. I just want to stick to the Bible. <laughs> do you follow me? Be careful of what you take as culture because what Christ says culture is, is be blessed in this. Now some of you are going to say, but we had ten commandments. Why did we get eight here? Now, as you guys know, two came later, didn't you? Yeah? Because one guy said to him, what is, the, what is the best commandment? And instead of giving one, how many did he give? He completed his ten. But he says, persecution will come. Persecution will come because of me. Guys, if your boss hates you because you are just poor at work, late, that's not persecution. That's just your bad employee. Okay. If you are not facing people's judgment, then your righteousness is not showing adequately. It is supposed to show. 
Okay? You are called to be followers of somebody who then calls people, not, oh, you don't steal. No, no, no. You do better than that. No, no, you, not that you don't commit adultery. No, no, you do better than that. The compliance level is significantly higher because he has achieved this for you and for me. And we receive it out of mercy and grace. So I'm going to conclude because I've spoken a lot and I want to leave you with some final points. Okay. Next time when there's bank holiday and I'm speaking, best is to go to the beach. So final points. Okay, guys, are you listening, children? Okay, this is for you. One, it's what is called it? Be attitude. Yeah, agree? Second, don't let your pursuit of knowledge, okay? Don't let your pursuit of knowledge, even if it is spiritual knowledge, grow greater than your love for Christ. Now, I'm not trying to say to you, become stupid. Please don't, okay? Be wise, be knowledgeable. But the danger is if you allow your knowledge to be greater than your love for Christ, you will make the pursuit of knowledge your God. Be wise. Don't allow confusion of values between culture and Christ. Have a very wise filter. Is this Christ or is this culture? And you're capable of that filter. I said to you, I felt a disbelonging with church. So let me help you in that. Okay. If after four sentences of going back, the fifth sentence is, but, on a Sunday afternoon, analyze yourself. Because I was finding at that time, I was saying, the sermon's good, the music's good, but I have a problem with this, this. Evaluation of whether the church and the fellowship is in the right place is as follows. The first four beatitudes are to do with you. The next four beatitudes are to do with you and the fellowship. We are a family. If the church is pursuing mercy, if it is pursuing peacemaking, if it is pursuing things that fit with the four attitudes, you're in a good place. If you had an issue, don't drift away. Come to the leadership and say, hey guys, are we in alignment with this? Finally, fear, fear does not guarantee obedience. Okay? It was fear that said, don't eat the apple. It did not guarantee obedience. It resulted in disobedience. Moses, when he came down and gave the Ten Commandments, said, law has been given to you so that you would have the fear of the Lord. And guess what these guys did? They broke them. The last word of the Old Testament ends as what? Cursed. Okay? Go home and read the last, very last word of the Old Testament. It says cursed. Fear results in disobedience, results in curse. Love results in the first word of his servant saying what? Blessed. Okay, you are a blessed people. 
Now, what we got to do is, if you feel that you are not fully blessed, people are going to pray here, come and be prayed. If you feel that maybe you're falling slightly out of love with Christ, come and be prayed for. If you feel any of what I've said is nonsense, um, come and be prayed for. <laughs> okay. You are much loved. Thank you for listening.